What's going on, everybody? This is Sean of Ross Like Music. And this is the Super Sunny Love Show. I'm La Molly. This is Blue and Green Radio. Party people, this is Mr. V of Confessions of a Curly Mind, broadcasting through Blue and Green Radio. You're listening to Steve Williams at UK5.org. Welcome to the Blue and Green Sessions. Right, the vibe with DJ Ronnie Ron. Cosmic, Cosmic Radio. Twisted Soul. Futuristica Radio. You're listening to the Blue and Green podcast, and I hope you enjoy what we are going to say. Blueandgreenradio.com. Howdy, gang. You're tuned in to another episode of the Blue in Green podcast. This one's in conjunction with Blue in Green Radio, uh, the online internet radio station that broadcasts from London and hosts wonderful, wonderful shows uh, showcasing the best in contemporary uh, soul, jazz, Latin music, hip hop, and uh, a whole host of other wonderful uh, gems. Uh, we'd love you to check us out at blueingreenradio.com. My name, my friends, is Imran. Thanks for tuning into our episode today. Um, I haven't checked. I think this is a hundred episode. Excuse me. I think this is episode 122, which is pretty cool. So thank you so much for tuning in. And what better way to spend um, uh, this episode uh, than in the company of Raw Select Music's Sean Sophia? We catch up uh, with Sean, obviously in uh, his home of Niigata, Japan, uh, and I am talking with him, obviously from my home of London in the UK. Uh, this conversation, I, I do say this in the actual conversation, which you're about to hear. Uh, a couple of um, points I wanted to mention beforehand is that this is about four months too late. Uh, we had talked about doing this like November of 2022, and um, just stuff got in the way. Sean is freakishly popular and has so many uh, social activities and uh, yeah we, we just couldn't lock dates in and uh, the purpose of this conversation was to discuss the music of 2022 we had a whole thing planned we were going to rank them and uh, yeah send links to each other everyone listens beforehand anyway it was like this whole thing it would have been great but we just couldn't do timings. So we do have a somewhat brief um, but, uh, uh, discussion about music from 2022, which you won't find many podcasts that release episodes in March, uh, which is like a day away from April uh, the following year, uh, kind of doing that. So yeah, well, I like to think we're ahead of the curve. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, we have an excellent conversation about um, some of our absolute highlights from 2022. Uh, we talk about so much stuff. It's it's always a really fun and freewheeling conversation um and uh so yeah we, we we talk about i'm just trying to run through everything in my head we talk about uh egon mf doom and the missing notebooks we talk about how um could an artist uh in their say personal lives do anything to make you uh stop listening basically can they do anything to make you sort of not want to consume their music anymore so that kind of follows on from the egon and doom conversation and we have a wonderful sidebar of babyface versus d'angelo uh which is a really exciting conversation um we we had a sean had a sort of a, a time where he had to leave by so we have a somewhat abrupt end to the episode today which is so unfortunate because i think i could have gone another hour uh, i had so much stuff to yet to discuss with him so 
Um, hopefully we will connect again soon uh, fingers crossed uh, so I'm uh, going to break from convention I'm going to tell you Sean's it was so abrupt uh, I'm going to tell you Sean's closing number now uh, it is Stimulator Jones and the track Vilify so we're going to play that one at the conclusion of our show it won't have a setup at that point so uh, I'm giving it to you now um, but regular listeners will know we feature two songs per episode um and I get to pick the opening number and this is a band that we discuss um, in the episode I talk about my overall affections for the wonderful music of Seventh Sense and uh, I won't talk about them too much now because I do lots in the actual episode but uh, shout out to them and uh, they're one such a great uh, band such a great um uh, bassist and band leader in Laura Benedek and uh, their album is called Light in Chaos and I'm going to pick a song from said release uh, and I think on this occasion I'm going to go with the album opener which is called Two Moons and features UK's very own Will Fry. Uh, it's a beautiful album and uh, I hope you'll enjoy the episode where we talk about the album as well and just have a great freewheeling conversation with Sean as always thank you very much for tuning in friends you can find us at blueingreenradio.com massive thanks again to our buddy Sean and hopefully we'll be able to connect again uh, super soon Uh, thanks gang hope you enjoy the episode
so long story short, my uh, last train time changed. So I ended up walking home last night from Niigata all the way to where my house is. How 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 long did that take? About two and a half hours. <laughs> so I ended no. up I ended up working off most of the alcohol from last night. Oh my gosh! Is it cold out there at this moment? Oh, actually, it was uh, it was quite a pleasant quite a pleasant stroll. At what time did you make it home? About two. Okay. Wow, they, they the train stopped really early then. Yeah, I do, I'm kind of surprised that they moved it to that early in the the evening. Yeah, on a Friday night. I mean, well, not like Friday I, night. Technically, a Saturday, but uh, sorry, last night for me was Friday night. Yeah, right. So, yeah, I, so I, I understand. Uh, I mean, so yeah, I, that, that is strange. Fault you for not living in the future. <laughs> Yep. What did you What did you get up to last night? Uh, just uh, the usual drinking with friends. I met an old friend of mine that I haven't seen in a long, long time. This uh, Kiwi dude that I've known for years finally came out of hiding now that uh, things have sort of set, uh, calmed down with COVID restrictions. Mm. And we ended up playing uh, two of the worst games of pool you've ever seen in your entire life. <laughs> Why? We were pretty, we were pretty hammered by the time we finally got. Oh, okay, there. okay. Yeah. Are you typically good at pool? I, you know, I I really wish I could figure out what uh, when I have a good pool game. I wish I could figure out how what to bottle yeah. it and save it, save it for every time that I play pool because yeah. I'm so hit and miss. I've got this thing with um I've got yeah. a, a a buddy of mine has a, his home he's kind of converted the back mm-hmm. uh, I call it a shed he's had a whole convert conversion done he's kind of made his own bar and mm-hmm. it's it's huge it's a really massive space and uh, a bunch of us every few months he'll have a he'll host a night mm-hmm. there and he has a dartboard mm-hmm. and I don't know what it is there's like six or seven of us and everyone is either really good or in the middle. And then there's me who is just the worst. Just absolutely miserable. Just, I can't apply any logic or form or skill Mm. to it at all. I just, I, I assume the position, my hand goes back and forth. I look at where I want it to go. It decides mm-hmm. it doesn't want to go there. And I just get, it's, it gets a bit frustrating. I'm not, I'm not necessarily competitive in sports, but I think when you're consistently the worst, yeah, uh, it, it does, it does wear you down a little bit, but um, yeah, it, it becomes uh, very, very, very disheartening. Okay. Yes. Totally. I, don't, I definitely, yeah, I definitely don't play games in general to win. But I think again, when when it becomes you're the, the the consistent butt of the jokes, and you're kind of like, how are you doing this? How are you? What am I missing about this? That you know, well, I don't. Do well, you know, the frustrating thing about playing uh, games like pool or darts is like they they get frustrated when you do really really well. But they laugh at you when you do really, really poorly, <laughs> and they don't do anything to correct you. Yes, so they'll just watch you flounder about or get yeah. really, really lucky. But it's yeah. like, hey, could you actually give me a hint and show me what I'm doing wrong? <laughs> yeah. 
I, I had the same problem playing uh, poker with some of my friends a little while ago. And they're just like, Sean, why'd you play that card? Because I have no <laughs> idea what I'm doing, jackass. Well, obviously, if you just intuit everything, because I know everything about... God, fuck off. <laughs> I hate that. <laughs> I've only, yeah, I poker's another one that I... I think I've only played a handful of times, and I would have probably been in my early 20s. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm... I don't think I'm good. I'm not good with gambling games, you know, where, yeah. where you kind of have to stake your, your confidence level. Mm-hmm. I'm as, as right in the middle uh, and play it safe as it gets. So I, I get nowhere. I achieve nothing. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I know exactly what you mean there. It's uh that never ends up. Uh, I, don't, I don't think I've ever had a poker game go in my favor. And mm. when I'm supposed to bluff, and everybody looks at when I do eventually end up showing my cards and my, my friends are like, why, why wouldn't you bluff on those cards, man? It's like, mm-hmm. again, we have this uh, knowledge discrepancy issue. If I knew what I was doing, I would probably <laughs> play a lot smarter. But you consistently telling me that I'm doing something wrong without telling me what I'm doing wrong yeah. is incredibly irritating. Yeah. Oh, it's difficult. Mm. We'll have to, um, uh, uh, yeah, we have to endure the solitary life of uh, just uh, PS4 and uh, <laughs> uh, other such games consoles. Do you want to play online? No, I don't. <laughs> I don't want to meet people online. Social interactions? Play. What are those? <laughs> yeah, I don't want to get another competitive state where I'm bottom again. I think I'll just stay uh, alone and play by myself and see how that goes. Although I will say uh-uh. that uh, cooperative Elden Ring is very, very fun. Oh, awesome. I've been, uh, uh, got one of my co, a few years ago, I got my uh, coworker to start playing from software games. We started with uh, Bloodborne, moved to DS3, and now we're doing uh, Elden Ring together. All right. And it's uh, very, very enjoyable. Is Elden Ring the game which had the like the best soundtrack or something the best music well i mean you had had we're using this as a transition yes that it's, it's a smooth transition that uh, was, yeah that was expert level <laughs> you had that thing all synced up the phrases were all all together yeah. <laughs> Just let, let me well, i'll bring a few i'll bring everyone up to speed this this conversation firstly is about four months too late. Uh, we've we've just not been able to coordinate this at all. And this specific conversation was supposed to be about our celebration yeah. of the music of 2022. Yeah. So I, I thought it was just out of good courtesy and the amount of effort you had put into your, as you tend to always do, your end of year roundups. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm catching you off guard by asking you, you know, just for a casual, lighthearted, somewhat brief conversation. Not brief, but however long you want to talk about it. But uh, shall we Shall we discuss music of 2022? Sure. Um, with, with days that, away from actually, April 2024. I feel like, a, I feel like I'm... Uh being trapped here now now i have no choice but to talk about the 2022 <laughs> well the game the game soundtrack thing is a great place to start right mm-hmm. no absolutely uh that that sort of crept up on me i don't mm. part of, i think 
part of my uh, inclusion of the Elden Ring soundtrack for my uh, end of the year list mainly just came mainly came as kind of a troll. I was really trying to think of something that would make the the list sort of stand out, and mm. part of, of it, part of it is that I I legitimately abs- legitimately love that soundtrack. Right. I think I've uh, I think I sent you the uh, the Godskin duo uh, theme. Yes, and that that has stuck with me the entire mm. year. Epic, yeah, yeah. Yeah, bold, bold choice, but I, I support the choice. I, I like Ooh. the out-of-the-box selections uh, of yeah, uh, well, jazz instrumental I'm glad, I'm glad somebody them. appreciates the... Uh, yeah, the, it was a surprise though, on the on your uh, year roundup on the uh, YouTube sh- uh, channel when it was like, oh, okay, I totally didn't see this coming, but nice, yeah, nicely was, done. Last year was such a weird year for, for me. I know, I think I mentioned it to you probably in the podcast that we did previous to this one. Mm where I spent most of last year just being uh, completely and utterly broke. So (laughs) as a result, I just didn't have any money in order to keep up with uh, new records. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just didn't follow a lot of new releases last year. But thankfully, I finally came into some money, and now I am uh, uh, going to be broke. But at least it's on my terms, right? <laughs> Nicely put. That's brilliant. <laughs> That's excellent. Yeah, no, I, I, thought it, I was like, oh wait, no, I think I pulled this off, uh, and then it ended up working out perfectly. <laughs> um, are you are you uh, now in a financial bracket that will uh, position uh, a credit card into your uh, your wallet yet? No, definitely still haven't gotten a credit card yet. Right. Try to keep that, uh, keep it like that for as long as mm. I possibly can. Mm. I've discovered that if you hold out long enough in Japan, you could probably you could probably get away with one never getting a credit card and two never getting a driver's license. Ah, so two things that I thought would be necessary to living in Japan and turned out, uh, no, actually they're not all that essential. Mm. So how was, uh, well, in terms of, shall we call them mid pandemic years? Would you, you, would you consider 2022 a uh, pandemic year? Oh, wow. Great question. Um, it all becomes a blur, doesn't it? I'm trying to think how many (laughs) quarantines we had. I don't know. There was no, we weren't quarantined in 2022. I don't believe. I think Mm -hmm. it was. It was sort of mid twenty twenty, and then there was another big one for us yeah. in twenty twenty one, which I think started in like December twenty one, and that went no, excuse me, this, hang on, yes, it was sort of like from January to about April May right twenty twenty one, if I remember correctly. So then after that, I think that was our last big pandemic. I twenty twenty two. I probably wouldn't have referenced that. I'm probably forgetting like a hundred things, but oh, no. um, I, I totally understand if you, uh, if you felt like the last three years, basically all just sort of blended together. Yeah, it really did. Didn't it? It's such a bizarre, like it's, it's just, it's funny. Like I kind of like 
kids and stuff like that and you kind of think when in years to come when this will <laughs> be talked about in their schooling and then they'll you know be like you live through that you yeah. were like really like that happened I'm like yeah it was it's i still pinch myself and like did that happen how insane was that yeah that well, was, yeah. but by, by the same token, we all came out on the uh, the other side of it, so that's uh, the best thing mm. that you can uh, yes. best thing you can hope for. But, anyways, not dwelling on that for too long. I was just going to ask, uh, how do you think twenty twenty two compared to like twenty twenty one and twenty twenty in terms of releases? I thought it was great. I thought it. Um, I thought last year was a really. Uh, a, a, a great year for uh kind of new music and it's interesting because again it does tie into that pandemic the amount of times i'll discover like a, a new album or have to review something and then you 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 hear I, I can't i couldn't keep count of the amount of albums that come out say in the last year six months to a year for example that where the artists have basically cited quarantine and um uh, that COVID experience as their mm-hmm. inspiration and the amount of project and and also a huge amount of projects have come out where people said this album was actually on, on my back burner for the last seven years but thanks to quarantine I was able to finish <laughs> to yeah. finish it and get it out so it's it's it is I think it it's while you know just you know for your everyday Joe quarantine and and COVID was what it was but there was like this weird like line in the sand for kind of art as well and the amount of projects that I guess we as fans get to consume now that actually wouldn't have had life mm-hmm. um outside you know because of quarantine you know it, we'd never have heard so many of the projects that we kind of uh we managed to get our hands on in the last year if it hadn't been for quarantine and so even just how some of them were recorded it would be like we were we were, we were given uh, a few hours in this studio that was all we were granted and you know everything had to align itself perfectly and we all crammed in and we did it and we had to or we had to record all of it separately we had to record all of our bits by zoom and everyone had to have, do their parts separately but we all did it online at the same time so it's yeah it's, there's a real kind of cool line in the sand um uh that that kind of happened from it but i thought yeah last year had some really fantastic um releases i was that yeah i was very excited about yeah yeah what did you think in general i know you said it was difficult initially keeping up but with what you initially heard i i would say it go trying to man i'm trying to pull that list up from memory uh when i put on it uh i thought it was a solid kind of solid year Mm. i mean i don't think i'll ever get over the uh how good that utara hikaru album is <laughs> yeah i i figured out that one's gonna come up it's brilliant isn't it i it i i was initially just like being i, I was initially being a quite the elitist being like no nah, i'm only listening to it because of the floating points track. right right and then the more that i listened to it the more i started to realize is like actually everything on here is pretty good even yes. that stupid Skrillex track. <laughs> God damn it, Skrillex! It, yeah, there's, there's, it's, it is annoying to to be able to say, and I, I, I kind of hate that I actually genuinely feel this, but the floating mm-hmm. points numbers are the best. 
Oh, absolutely. They, it, yeah, it, they they do they do soar above uh, the others, but there's nothing bad on this. This is a really infectious, really kind of like feel good. It's, it's just a wonderful album. It really, really is. It's yeah, I, I I if I were to redo my uh, best of 2022 list, it, it should be number one. It, it really, oh, wow, amazing! It really is just that good. It's it's the only thing that was on that list that I listen to consistently now. Wow. Wow. Uh, maybe aside from the, uh, the, the stimulator Jones album. Right. Which I think was, I think that was my number three. If memory serves me right. Did you, did you ever get around to, uh, what is it? Round spiritual ring stimulator Jones's album? No, no, no. I've, I had seen it on your list, but I've no, I, I hadn't explored it myself yet. No that's the sort of thing that i think is right up your alley oh wow okay much like so many other artists out there stimulator jones purports himself to be a uh big 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 fan of prince and cites uh-huh. him as a main influence for his music and oh, you can well. definitely hear him channeling it but okay, well, it, I, yeah I'll, I'll look him up immediately then that oh, okay yeah. so all i had i knew it <laughs> i remember you had a conversation with uh what with, with uh V a while ago. Right. As we're talking about all you need to hear is D'Angelo and all of a sudden, boop, okay, now I'm immediately interested. Yes. Yeah. yeah. We're, we're more both... D'Angelo in my life. Yeah, I I you're a D'Angelo fan as well, I'm right? A, I'm a D'Angelo fan. Yeah. Hmm. Um yeah, no, we're quite but we're equally obsessive uh about D'Angelo as well. Yeah. So <laughs> Can I can I take a little sidetrack? Re- of course, please. Uh, talking about uh, D'Angelo, I, was, I got into an argument. It wasn't really an argument, but just a conversation, trying to get some perspective. I'm going to throw this question out to you and see, <laughs> and get probably a pretty big laugh out of you. So, Imran, D'Angelo or Babyface? Oh, well, that's. <laughs> So, no, I, you know what? I might surprise you with this. I respect the question. Oh, really? That, I, 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 I it might just be a massive troll. No, no. Actually, I'm a big 90s R&B fan. Yeah, I, um, no, I, I remember you talking about that. Yeah, I'm a huge 90s R&B fan. Now, I mean, it's interesting because in a way, if you're looking at just the output, you can't compare it. Mm-hmm. I mean, like D'Angelo, what, three albums in what, uh, 20 yeah, years, since 95? years? More yeah. than that. Yeah, I mean, that's three albums in like 20 years. And his, there's been a lot of in-between like tracks and soundtracks. Right. A heck of a lot of them have been covers. Um, a heck of a lot of them have been covers. Yeah. Um, I mean, gosh, I mean, Babyface is one of the, one of those guys who owned the 90s right i mean we are talking about vastly different music genres in terms of 90s r&b yeah so and one is obviously going to mean more to one person than another i completely agree yeah but i don't think that's that is as crazy a question as as it might seem no see i i if i had my wits about me when i would have that (laughs) i would have pulled a quentin tarantino and said i reject your premise 
Yes, it's it. Oh, so the person who asked the question were they? Uh, they were pro D'Angelo. I take it. No, they no, they were Team Babyface. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah, it's well. <sighs> well, okay. So the the and. Again, I, I wish I could have articulated this when I was having the conversation with him. Uh, my my feeling, as somebody who's not very familiar with Babyface's music, but had to uh, pretend to be to save face during that conversation, mm. I feel like they serve two vastly different, uh, two vastly different pers- purposes, or at least for me. Yes. Yes, I agree. Yes. There is a, uh, I mean, and of course there is the romantic element and we'll keep that PG-13 right there. Yeah. Uh, element to D'Angelo and Babyface's music. But D'Angelo also has the, the musical chops to yes. back his stuff up. And I think that's why D'Angelo comes out on top. No disrespect for babe, to Babyface, I'm sure. No, no, no. I I no I could I I think for most people that is uh, that is an easy uh, uh, question. It's, I think that you, you will instantly gravitate. I think in a way, my I would pick D'Angelo, but mm-hmm. I mean, if it depends what you're kind of comparing. Like yeah. if you're comparing Babyface solo releases to D'Angelo solo releases, that's one thing. But if you're comparing who had a bigger impact on the '90s, like I mean, Babyface, Tevin Campbell. Um, Jeez, SWV, Tony Braxton, After Seven. It's a very extensive list of of artists that he wrote and produced for. Yeah, and it, it's probably arguable that if you didn't have Babyface, you didn't have D'Angelo. So, but, well, yeah, yeah, yeah I, I, there is that. It's, I, it's I, a I good kinda, question, actually. I like that one. Well, it actually got a lot more mileage out of that than I thought we would. um in any case i like i said like i said that uh spiritual uh spiritual jones jesus stimulated jones Jones. (laughs) it is quite spiritual (laughs) um that stimulator jones album i highly highly recommend if you get i'm 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 jotting it down right now so at the conclusion of our conversation i will be looking him up and um and hopefully immersing myself Maybe I'll choose one of his tracks for uh, my... Oh, closing. Nice. Yes. Maybe I'll choose one of them to open as well. Maybe I've already done it. (laughs) A Stimulator Jones sandwich. This has grossed out a lot of people right there. (laughs) Um, I have another quick question, if I may, about... um, So I'm going to... I'm not pronouncing the name half as well as you, but if I said Miss Utada, uh, would that, uh, would Utada. that give me a somewhat Utada? Utada. Yep. Um, uh, is that because obviously she's got a heck of a lot of music? Um, mm-hmm. What do you have you heard? I think I actually sent you the only other song of hers that I ever heard, and boy, it's beautiful. It's uh, called Forevermore, and it's got Chris Dave on drums. Uh, oh, so I'm sure I sent you the the link to it, uh, but Did that's the only other song of hers. I don't think I remember listening to that. Oh, sure, I'll send it to yeah. you. Um, I think one yeah, one thing that sort of happened as a result of listening to that album more and more is I kind of uh, became a bit more acclimated for uh, yeah, I think acclimated works uh, to sort of that J pop sound. Right. There, there is a certain melodic aesthetic sense 
to a lot of J-pop music that just really, really uh, grinds on me. Mm. But I, mm. I think I've become uh, much more used to it than I than I used to be because I, I wasn't big on uh, what was what was the first single off of the that that uh, the Bad Mode album. Not the title track, but uh Oh no, I don't know what it was. I thought it was the oh, title shoot. track. What is what is that? I can bring up iTunes. It's probably gonna yell at me again. <laughs> yeah, it did. All right. Well, let's see. Sorry about this. Uh the name <laughs> of the track was uh One Last Kiss. Oh, okay. Great song, yeah. Yeah. yeah no, that was the first single that came out from that album. Okay. And I think it actually came out like a year or two before the album. Oh wow. Because I I remember my uh my my wife was listening to it and I was just like, eh, it's kind of whatever. And now I've absolutely fallen in love with it. Yeah. There, I mean, there's, there's, there's more to be kind of mind here, I guess, for each of us, because that mm-hmm. album is like, that really sticks out. I think on both of our lists, like right. that, there's nothing else that on our, if you know, on your, on yours. And I don't think I actually have a top 10, but if, you mm-hmm. know, if I, if I were to create a top 10, that album would stick out above any, you know, in terms of there's no other thing on that list that comes anywhere close to a sound like that. And, you know, we're, we're clearly more susceptible to J-pop than we may yeah, have realized. Then. Well, and yeah. then, you know, the funny thing is you both seem to really like this album and then yeah, you try to branch off and find uh, other J-pop to listen to. And then, yeah. like, no, actually, this genre is absolute trash. What am I doing? <laughs> it's a shame her music. So I'd like to get more of her records. There's so many, though. Mm-hmm. Um, but she, again, they, they're just not readily available over here, uh, which is a, a, a shame because obviously I'd have to go purchase the CDs overseas and that's mega expensive. And yeah. So I, and I, I don't know at what point I would say, okay, I have enough. On a, <laughs> but, uh, recent yeah. trip uh on a recent trip to tokyo that i took with uh the wife uh we stopped in a uh tower records and they had every single album on uh of hers on sale both in cd and vinyl form oh brilliant did you pick up any others or no i i've i probably should because i do like some of her other songs mm. she's legit probably the only j-pop artist that i really really like mm. that i that I, is undoubtedly j-pop like consano like kind of falls into that category oh, wow. some of his yeah. stuff has gotten really really popular and he's kind of moved away from sort of the jazzy sound that he used to be known for mm. yeah. but I, I i wouldn't call i wouldn't call it like strictly j-pop if that nuance made any sense whatsoever no no <laughs> it did no it did yeah. um That's what happens when yeah. you're about a script <laughs> yeah fair enough so i should have i should have briefed you better yeah no no i i, I always appre- i always love these uh flying by the seat of our pants kind of uh conversations <laughs> So what? So I'm curious. Mm. I mean, the floating point stuff aside, what what is it about that uh, Utara Hikaru album that you just find uh, so enamoring? I, I don't know. Right? Like, 
It's just got it, it's got a spell about it. It does. It's just a massively enjoyable record. Yeah. Like it just that like every song, well, maybe not every, but like a, a huge amount of them, it just have this. It's like it's it's like it's created in a lab with mm. like the most with every formula and equation that went into finding the the type of song that will make you happy and want to sing along and will connect the dots and musically and harmonically absolutely connect with with you as a listener and right i just, i don't know what it is it's just a massively enjoyable record and i don't know i and i i love that i love the fact that a record can do that and i i think i i i do my very 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 best not to and i'm not saying that this record would fall into that category anyway but mm-hmm. I, I really really do my best to take away uh the notion of um what's the word that kind of snobbery of music like i i don't listen to to that oh i i like you know for a pop right. song it's okay that kind of it's it's almost a bit pretentious you know where it's like well i mean if you like it it doesn't have to be good for a pop song if you like it you like it and it's okay to like whatever it is you know and um or like the the concept of guilty pleasure for example you know what's your guilty pleasure say like, well I don't have a guilty pleasure. If I like the song, I like the song. It doesn't have to be relegated to this little box of this little shame box of this is something I kind of like, even though I know it's trash, you know, and I'm not putting this album in that in any way. But it's just just the fact that this is this is a this is a pop album. But like. I don't know. And I, I, I don't know what it is that like every song I just, just massively enjoy. And it's just, I, I like this... how this album's got you so flummoxed, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's like a, uh, it's like a sugar injection. You get all yeah. of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I remember when I finally uh, started listening to the album as a whole, it started moving away from the floating points tracks. And I was just like, mm. oh, I don't know if this is for me. It's kind of, kind of a little bit too. Well, like, it, it really hit my anti pop sensibilities. Yeah. Like, I'm not nearly as elitist as I used to be, but <laughs> no, there, there are still little hints of that in uh, sort of my personality and listening habits. And part of, part of it, as I was going through the uh, the non floating points tracks, was like, uh, I don't know, it's kind of. I just want to go back and listen to the floating points producers yeah. again. And then just over time, I, I found myself really, really enjoying it. Even with that one track, which I don't remember the name of it off the top of my head. What is it? Oh, what are you called? Uh, oh, find love which is oh, right. yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Yeah, the sort of disco-y track. And it has yeah. some absolutely just terribly cringeworthy lyrics. Because <laughs> it's, it's, it's essentially about, I'm going to keep playing around until I find somebody. Right. Yeah. And right, I was right, like, right. yeah, but I'm not, I'm not sure about this message here. Ta-da. You might want to, might want to work on that, but I don't know <laughs> the way, the way she sings it. I was like, Hey, uh, girl power, you know, do, do you do to you girl. <laughs> another interesting fact i found uh 
when I did that Utada <laughs> video a while ago was she mm-hmm. and I are the same age, but oh, our okay. uh, levels levels of success are just completely different. Yeah, she, she she's catching up though. She'll be okay. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know. I know you've enjoyed pop success basically since you've been born, baby. But uh, do you want to be a minor <laughs> net star? <laughs> <laughs> oh, dumb. brilliant. Um, so so yeah, what? No. Okay, mm. I, I think we've. Uh, traverse the the Utada territory. Sure, sure. So, what what were some of the big standout releases for you last year? Um, but, but, but there was there's a few actually. One one you'll you'll um well you may know, but I know you know the artist. Uh, the Mark the Clive Low uh, tribute to Pharaoh Saunders. Oh, uh, called Freedom. Just that man. That was something special. Yeah. That was really really Ooh. good. Just the, even was, you saying it out loud makes me want to listen to it right now. Yeah, it's it it's really it's really spectacular, really amazing album. Uh, yeah, real joyous, and it's kind of it's weird because it came out like about three months before Saunders passed. No, no, and I think it was kind of it's nice that he he did that album, mm-hmm. and it's like it's like so it's like that album was like a celebration, you know, and, uh, and then when he, and then he passed, but the new Mark, the Clive Lowe album, which has literally just come out. Um, he's got three, uh, again, three more, uh, Ferris Saunders covers on this album. So he's got two versions of, Oh my gosh, I've gone blank. Um, Oh, what's the the? Uh, oh my gosh! Like it's like the thirty-minute Ferris Saunders epic. I mean, um, you, 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 I've just sucked up half his catalog, haven't I? Yeah, I, uh, I'll yeah. admit to this right now. I am not nearly as familiar with Ferris. Oh, okay. Um, probably it's going to come to me in a moment. It's, it's embarrassingly just gone. But there's one there's one version of uh, Love Is Everywhere, and then um, the creator has a master plan. There ah, that yes, uh, yes. Yes, so there's a there's a great version on the the Freedom album from last year, but he he covers those two again. Mm-hmm. So he covers that track again twice, and Love Is Everywhere, and it's kind of it's a re really, it's a I don't know specifically when the new ones were recorded, but it's sort of a nice dichotomy of Freedom came out as like a just a a, a no reason celebration of of Ferris Saunders' music, but then sadly he passed. And it's like you now you have these three new versions, and it's like it's like they kind of created in completely different circumstances, you know. And one of them is just this joy of I love this 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 artist, this icon, this musician. Let's just do this album. But now you've created versions that are like uh, in in um, in remembrance. Uh, do you know? Do, does that make any sense? I'm, I, my vocabulary has gone straight out the window. But it's like you've it's now. Kind of, it's all right, man. No, I'm following you. Yeah, but it's sort of it's poignant in 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 its own way. It's kind of nice that he kind of revisited those 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 songs for the you know. It's only like his new album has just come out like eight months after Freedom. I don't know how the Clive Lowe does how you know how he's so prolific. It's, that it's dude is insane. An, that dude is an absolute workhorse. He is. I, I remember vividly his 2019 
because I remember just sort of thinking, how are you doing this? Because he he did the Lady Alma album. He was all over. He played piano for the Dwight Tribble album. He released um, a couple of his own projects. He had remixes. And it was like, how are you? It was just an insane level of musical output. I believe it was 2019. And, you know, it was just, I don't understand how you're you're, you're actually able to kind of put out this much music um but it's amazing how he's you know he kind of just finds his groove and just i guess it must be an amazing thing to kind of create in the way he does and he gets yeah. new people to work with each time it's really cool no i definitely i i, I think i went through a period where I, I was kind of overloaded on i don't know what it, what do you want to call it modern new jazz or whatever like that so because mm. i i wasn't really as big of a fan of his uh i think it was 2000 i want to say that's 2020 his uh mark the clive low trio album i cannot remember the name of it off the top of my head what was that one so when obviously well, it was not the oh actually i just remember the the heritage albums were they 2019? Uh, oh, the heritage albums are uh untouched See, so i think that's funny. 2019 i think they, those are 2019 as well yeah uh, above all those other you know including all those other releases i mentioned as well which i'm still missing some but i think he put out those two heritage albums in 2019 as well which is just insane uh dream weavers is the name of the album right okay yep and it, it's a perfectly fine album it's just uh it doesn't stand out like some of the other stuff that he mm. it doesn't come even close to touching uh heritage or there was an album I think that came out in like 2017, 2016, Live at the Whale, which is basically oh, yeah, yeah, doing, yeah. Uh, a bunch of different jazz covers. Yeah, I think I think there's a there, there's a cover of Swahili Land that's just right. absolutely divine. Wow, yeah, yeah, and this is like he does like live sampling in that set as well. Which yeah, no, it, it's live sampling. Wild. What is that? That's insane. Uh, yeah. Amazing. Did he start off as like a broken beat artist too. Oh, was he? Yes, he was. I'm like ninety percent sure. Yeah. There's an album yeah. that came out that I, I would see in the uh, the sort of slim pickings that you'd find in an American uh, record store with uh, mm. electronic music. And there's this uh, blue and brown sort of like typical. Uh, early 2000s electronic music cover and I distinctively it uh, being Mark to Clive Lowe mm. and I, I seem to recall that was uh, he, he was in, really into Broken Beat back in the day yes yeah he was yeah yeah he's uh, he's a lot like his buddy the uh, the drummer Mile Manzanza yes uh, they both sort of emulate each other's well uh, paths in many ways right, don't they? right then and there I mean who did who did uh uh, who collaborated with uh, Miley Manzanza, mm. Mark DeClive Lowe. Yeah. Dude, dude is just an yeah. absolute workhorse. Yeah, amazing, isn't it? So yeah, you, awesome. you said you really liked the uh, the Mark DeClive Lowe album. Uh, what what else stood out to you? Um, there was an... Oh, actually, I thought there were, there were quite a few. There was an album by uh as a, an independent band from romania called seventh sense mm -hmm. and they've totally they've made their record 
themselves they put it out and i'm really kind of just head over heels and like besotted with them and their story they're they're kind of headed up by um bassist and producer called laura laura benedict and she i actually i was so lucky i I kind of got to do the podcast with her as well oh really it's so worth hearing just for her story Mm -hmm. like she basically she was super young she was sort of like really early 20s i believe when it when it kind of happened and she had a vision for what she wanted her album to be and she recorded the whole thing in the studio with these the, the this this kind of I, I i think it was like a, a label or just like a studio team production team or something and they helped her do it but then they said we don't think you should put it out like this we think you should cut x amount of songs and make it an ep and we should put it out as like four or five songs and she again very very young you've got these older more experienced guys saying this is what you need to do this is what you need to do and they kept wanting to change all the aspects of her music and it started to wear her down and she's sort of, you know, begrudgingly accepting and saying, okay, okay, okay. Uh, but then she just hits this point where she's just like, no, I don't, I don't agree with any of this. This mm-hmm. is just, it's not what I want to do. And they said, well, you don't know what you want. We're telling you that this is what, how you'll get successful. You listen to what we're saying, et cetera, et cetera, do it this way. And then she basically pulled the plug on the whole thing. And she said, I'd rather not put it, put it out than put, put what you want out. Right. So she lost all the money. She didn't get the, the tapes. They retained the tapes Ooh. and she lost everything. Yeah. But she stuck to her guns and she left and then sort of questioned her place for like a year. And then she, a, a friend of hers had said, hey, what speak to these guys these you know and i i think they'll help you and they basically facilitated everything that she wanted to the point where the record came out and it has a a a a beautiful following it's a stunning record it's called light in chaos and um it's you know such an inspirational kind of story it's incredibly brave i think to know exactly what you want to do and have all these guys telling you, no, you're doing it wrong. Do it this way. And then to, to stick to your guns and say, no, you know, I'd rather just not do it. Mm-hmm. You know, if, and she lost everything. She lost all the, the, the masters of them. She lost the tapes. She lost the, the money that she had had to pay for it all. It's insane, isn't it? And but yeah. what, like, what an incredible, incredible story. So she, the record came out last year. It is a beautiful piece of work. And mm. um, just kind of love her. I love a good story, you know, like, and the story behind it is just, is just magnificent. And she's, uh, she's, yeah, she's a genius and incredibly talented lady. And, um, yeah, immeasurably happy for her. Uh, yeah. So that one I'd high, highly recommend seven cents. Uh, the album's called light and chaos. And that was one of my favorite releases. Seven, seven cents. Seven seventh cents. Yeah. Seven, yeah, seven, seven. Ah, yeah. got it. Yeah. Yeah. Seven cents, uh, light and chaos. Great album cover as well. Um, and, um, yeah, so yeah, I'd, I'd highly recommend that one. Testament that, uh, some people are just built differently and yeah. some, some yeah. people are just highly agreeable and it's like, Hey, whatever the label wants, I'm more, more than willing to put out. And other people are just like, you, you could tell me exactly what I would need to do in order to make this album go platinum. And I'm still yeah. not going to do it. 
Yes. I, I'm going I mean, and, and there's no way of knowing like what any of that would have been. Maybe it would have come out and it would have just been met with horrifically bad reviews. Maybe it would have come out and been platinum. You know, maybe, you know, Beyonce would be calling them saying, I want you to open for us in, in Romania. Who knows what could have happened? But it was just the fact that she, she didn't want that. You know, she didn't want, she wanted it to come out the way she, she had dreamed it. Mm-hmm. And I just, I just think that that's amazing. I really, yeah, really enthralled by her and her story. I think it's an amazing story. It's cool. I have to, yeah. so Seventh Sense. Uh, Light in Chaos. I'll try and I'll send you the link for that as well with the Miss Utana. Remember to uh, see if I can remember not to forget that. (laughs) That was an amazing (laughs) sentence there, Sean. Good job. Uh, were there any others that you you, you I wanted to say? Walk all? and chew gum at the same time. <laughs> that would have made your journey home a lot longer yesterday if you had to just stand still and chew gum for thirty minutes and then resume walking. <laughs> just find me on the side of the road, just completely like. And your, your wife screaming at you, just spit the gum out, no. Sean. No. Oh. <laughs> no. What an embarrassing way to die. <laughs> My epitaph. <laughs> Couldn't do two things at the same time. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm pathetic. Uh, no, I, I'm sure you can achieve this, dude. I'm believing uh, you. No. Well, I, well, you mentioned guilty pleasures. So I'll, I'll bring up that uh, one of the things that really helped motivate me uh, walk home yesterday. Uh, uh, one, I've gotten really uh, back into drum and bass again. Oh wow! Okay. So, yes, that's right. We 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 can, we we connected about this, didn't we? Yeah, there was you. There was a a, a, a raw select episode on yep. on the the drum and bass label, and I said, yeah, I'm not entirely well versed on uh, on drum and bass in general, is but it, no, no, I really dug the show. Still kind of a four letter word in in the uk yes you said i i don't i i maybe it's just i'm in a different circle so to speak i'm not aware that there was ever a a negative i don't i don't know if it's so much i don't think if it it's so much the the genre itself it's usually that the pe- the people that is, are associated with drum and bass. Right. <laughs> I understand it, from the few people that I've talked to in the UK about like the whole drum and bass scene is if you go to a drum and bass night, you can guarantee that somebody's getting glassed. Oh. <laughs> oh the God. biggest assholes in the world are the ones that go to drum and bass nights. Wow. Okay. Well, I I haven't been to one, but. Oh, I so want to go now. I, <laughs> the threat of people, just, just somebody getting glassed. Um, I, I, gosh, I, I don't know. I mean, I knew it was music that went at like 200 miles an hour, not mm-hmm. my speed, so to speak. But um, I, I hadn't really known much about it as a scene, to mm-hmm. be honest. I mean, but that's, well, that's a, that's quite a damning um uh, kind of tag to have on a drum and bass night out, isn't it? I've like, been to uh, several drum and bass nights uh, in the States. I never went to any in the UK. Uh, I, I can honestly say 
you will meet some of the biggest chuds in the world going to a journal face <laughs> night. Uh, I think that's actually more part and parcel of just the music scene in general in the United States. It's just or specifically Chicago is no well, matter where ask... you go to, th- there's going to be chuds there. Well, I don't, I'm not, I'm not familiar with what a chud is. What is a, a chud? Meathead. Oh, okay. I don't think I've ever heard that term before. Okay. Um, wow. Okay. But like, it's a, is it still like a safe night out, right? You're not relatively, I mean, you're not, you're on the odds of getting, at least back when I was going to nights, uh, your odds of getting stabbed were pretty low. Okay. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. That's always good. When, When you were going for drum and bass nights, what were they like? Just just themed like just drum and bass nights with a bunch of DJs or were you seeing certain artists at the time or certain DJs were there people you were gravitating towards on the live so the, kind of set or so the drum and bass nights in Chicago were really interesting because there weren't really a lot of local DJs that were into it and if they had nights I had no idea but uh every now and then you'd get like this massive tour coming through Chicago and the one that I specifically remember was basically like every single big name uh, legacy drum and bass DJ that you can possibly think of uh, passed through Chicago. So it was Goldie, Shy FX. Uh, who else was on that bill? Uh, I know there's more names than none of them are coming to me, but essentially like every single big name act from who is basically in drum and bass since the sort of inception of the the genre was at that dj night and that Uh, that was a real (laughs) that was the the first time i've walked away from a music venue and it took like two three hours before my hearing came back wow oh man so (laughs) and the uh the other motivating factor to get back on track is uh speaking of guilty pleasures I'm going to admit this to you, Imran, and I'm a little, a little bit, uh, a little bit embarrassed to say this. No, embrace it. Do not okay. be embarrassed. Oh, okay, great. I, lo- I no, love. No, embrace it. Uh, I, I kind of love Slipknot. Oh, okay. Well, okay. I love Slipknot. That's right. Okay. <laughs> that, no, that's that's fine. That's good. It's, it's like good. Out, it's like I just came out of the closet <laughs> to you. Like, I, I don't know what to do with this. <laughs> No, it's I want to accept it, but <laughs> you like like is what what is it like as a band? You you completely accept all of it, or like something new you've heard, or like no, it, it's just when I need sort of like an extra push. It's been really useful at the the gym, or if I need to walk right. for two two and a half hours. There's just a driving energy to Slipknot's uh, music that is. Uh, sort of hard to match. Okay. Yeah. Good. I know. I'm sure I know Slipknot buds. Yes, <laughs> it, it's totally cool. That's good. Yeah. yeah, you've got like a like yeah, you've got a heavy like like rock and drum and bass side to your stuff as well. This is really interesting. I've, I've had a uh, pretty eclectic history of yeah of music. I've gone winding all over the place. Uh, it's uh, I am actually kind of happy though. I, I thought I was sort of falling out of love with uh, jazz and my uh, 
love for it has really come back with that album I think I told you about, uh, Chris uh, Bowden's Oh, yes. Askew. Yes, yes, yes. Utterly, yeah. utterly fantastic. Amazing. I can't believe that album is as slept on as it is. Mm. And uh, just uh, like an absolute gem in uh, Ninja Tunes' entire catalog. And, yeah. And it falls sort of squarely into uh, legit jazz as opposed to sort of like jazz adjacent music, if that sure. makes any yeah. sense. Yeah, no, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. yeah. Oh, actually, you mentioned the idea of like live, like going to gigs and stuff. I mean, do you do that? Uh, I guess, A, do you currently do that where you're currently based? Mm-hmm. Or, and B, like, do you get a, like a decent array of, of like artists that you actually are into at the moment? Or is, are you just focusing on DJ stuff? Or like, what kind of, like, what's your live music scene like at the moment out there? Well, I mean, the live music scene is finally starting to rebound after it took a massive hit from COVID, for sure. Uh, It's really eclectic here. I I often say to uh, anybody who who comes out to Japan, uh, especially if if you've got sort of a niche hobby, you're, you're almost guaranteed to find somebody else who's into whatever you're into. There, there's a pretty big punk scene here. There's a oh, big right. heart. There's a big hard rock metal scene here. And this is just Niigata. Even uh, like Tokyo, you you just every every sort of uh, uh, hobby that people are into in Niigata, you you just basically expand that uh, exponentially if you go to a place like Tokyo. Hmm. So. Uh, there, there's huge reggae heads. You, oh wow! You've got your uh, pop. You've got your pop head. Uh, the people are really into pop music. But mm. yeah, there's no matter what you're into, you you can find somebody else who's into it here. Wow. So do you go to like live gigs a lot at the moment? Not not at the moment. It, it became uh, disadvantageous once I moved out and uh, outside okay. of the city. When I when I lived in the city, I would go out a lot more, but these days not as much because I have to. Uh, oh, one, I have to find an event that starts before like nine or ten o'clock. Mm, yeah, you got to get that train, man. Yeah, uh, don't want to end up having to do that every weekend. That was yeah a whole lot of fun. Good thing I didn't have any gum on me. That was that really bad. <laughs> ah, you'd still be there, bless you. Oh no. <laughs> out of the room <laughs> so it i can't no this flavor's still there <laughs> um so yeah the the event you has to start before like uh before nine or ten and if i do end up going inevitably what ends up happening is i do end up missing my last train and uh, if I'm not feeling ambitious and wanting to walk all the way home, normally I w- would end up taking a taxi, which is usually about a, I want to say about a 30 pound ride or third cost okay. about 30 pounds to get home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah. It's not, not, I, I, I did it a lot back when I, uh, back when I had money. In this <laughs> uh, 
And I, I started to realize that uh, I was blowing a lot of cash on tax right. and I needed to stop doing that. Right, right, right. So yeah, 30, 30 quid at a, a, a time is going to add up, isn't it? Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's like acquiring a uh, expensive Favage egg habit. Right. <laughs> all my money on my $500 a day habit. I'd like another Favage egg. <laughs> Sir, I think you've had enough. I'll tell you when I've had enough. <laughs> <laughs> dead in the alley throwing Fabergé eggs against the wall. <laughs> how good, how good is old Simpsons? Yeah, it's, uh, yeah. I was thinking actually of kind of trying to reconnect with it because I haven't watched, oh gosh, I haven't watched a new episode in I years, years, years. I, I think it just sullies the reputation of uh, how good those I, I would even have, hold the contra- controversial opinion that even up to season 10, The Simpsons were still good. Mm. It, going into season 11, kind of it got kind of hit and miss, but it was... What number are we on now? 32, 33. Sheesh. Yeah, it's been going almost as... It's been going as long as both of us have been alive. My gosh. Yes, and... Uh, it just seemingly keeps getting worse and worse. But wow, amazing! But the, those uh, classic episodes still still hold up. Yeah, so many classic. Um, uh... <laughs> well, well, let's, let's we we should move on because otherwise we're gonna yeah. start the next out or next out. I know, yeah. <laughs> Gosh, I was just uh, sifting okay. through uh, Homer yeah. uh, uh, religious quotes, but I'll, I'll save those for another time. I think I've already <laughs> I've used them on, on you before uh, a couple of times in past episodes. But uh, yeah, uh, you- something I was I was very keen to talk about, uh, and I think you were as well. Um, you sent me um, the uh, the heads up about uh, the mystery of Egon uh, Doom oh, okay. and the notebooks. That. I mean. Yeah. Like, uh, if I may ask you to to sort of like, what what is the, like to summarize the story for anyone who's unfamiliar with with what's happening? Uh, how would you how would you summarize it? Okay, let's see if I can give you the fifty thousand foot overview in about ten seconds. So, uh, <laughs> Egon and MF Doom had a partnership. Uh, same thing, Egon and Madlib. Uh, same thing with Egon and Madlib. Uh, through working with MF Doom, Egon had come into possession of some of MF Doom's uh, rhyme uh, rhyme books, rhyme notebooks with uh, rhymes in them. And after he passed away, uh, and e- even before he passed away, there yeah, were email yeah. exchanges about, hey, I know you've got these in your possession. Can you give them back whenever you've got a chance? And... Uh, then after MF Dune's unfortunate passing, uh, Egon has still continued to uh, not be responding to uh, the constant cries that he's holding on to, uh, that he needs to get the notebooks back. I don't know. How, how did I do on that? Uh, um, 
yes uh, ultimately that's it i mean it's um it's a super weird situation i was reading it about it. i think i messaged you when i was like i've just been reading it this is insane um but they i mean i think there was this mysterious person called h who uh was egon said had the notebooks but then h says no i don't i handed them to egon so uh i mean oh see i didn't even know about that oh yes there is some guy called h whose name i think has been deliberately blacked out of released Mm. emails or correspondence and he owned a building and uh, egon said yeah the building sold and everything in it is gone then the guy said no 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 i i handed them to egon so um egon has never confirmed that he has them he is just yeah. responding to calls to, to emails from doom and i mean the, the messages from doom are really as professionally conveyed yeah for something that is a, a a a an absolute travesty uh in terms of he has said i'd like to you know thank you for storing these for me i am happy to pay for the storage like he's honest he's he's trying to even help egon save face yeah. in this by saying thanks for looking after these i appreciate it i'm happy to pay you but i really do need these books back and still egon hasn't responded to him and it's kind of like he's giving you as much of an out as yeah, possible that, that's you nailed it that that's what's so weird about this it feels yeah like in in any like any sensible person would would have dealt with this either publicly or privately and just gotten it over with there's like no yeah. reason to uh hold on to it. there there's no reason to prolong this or protract this any yeah so yeah and also it's the notion of like if i mean obviously doom's no longer with us but that doesn't actually have any bearing on the situation because they were potentially. We have to use that term, I guess, because we, you know, no one has specifically confirmed yeah. Egon has them, uh, apart from the mysterious H. But um, you know, Egon, like, I think if Doom had passed and then Egon found the books and wanted to hold on to them for a sentimental value or b monetary value, I would understand the logic of doing that. It's not necessarily right if the wife is asking for them back. Sure. But I would understand him wanting to hang on to them. But I think if you have a relationship with the man himself and you can literally just make an album with him in any context that, you know, you both deem fit, how are the books more valuable than the relationship? Right. Yeah. Again, again, you nailed it. Nothing about this situation makes like any sort of rational sense. But it's a very strange one, isn't it? It's a very strange one. And it makes me feel sort of weird about anything. And this is, I think this was the broader point that I wanted to get to uh, bringing this up with you is this sort of falls into the death of the uh, death of the author territory of can you in your right mind with this situation going on still continue to support now again as a label? Which now again is uh, Egon. Yeah, yep. I mean, yeah, no, no, absolutely. I mean, I, I mean, Egon. Just to give you know 
background on Egon. I mean, now again, again, it's a it's a wonderful. I mean, you you did a show yep. uh, on 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 some of your favorite now again releases. I have it, now again releases. Great, They're a wonderful label up there in probably terms of like uh, top five influential labels of all time. Amazing, yeah. They've had some, some stunning releases. Yeah. Um, and you know, again, Egon, he he actually he you know started out with Stone's Throw. He is involved in the first Mad Villain project, so he has a lengthy uh lineage and relationship with as you said madlib and and doom so again you know taking something so personal from someone when they are saying i do not want you to have this means nothing there's no there's nothing you can do with this you know anyway and i think it also speaks unfortunately to just how awful awful social media is yeah, it's, uh, the the people who end up chiming in and then ex- ascribing motives that cannot be proven. Yes, they just yes. Flare up people's emotions immediately. Yeah, it, it, the world would be a better place if twa- Talib Kweli just shut the fuck up. <laughs> I'm so sick of that asshole. <laughs> he, he's the one, he's how I found out about the situation, and that douchebag. <laughs> Just constantly ascribes motives that cannot be proven, but they just flare up people's uh, emotions mm. and do everything to basically uh, divide us even further. Yeah, he's had his fair share of being on that side of it, so mm-hmm. I'm surprised he 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 does chime in with with opinions like that in terms of. You know, people, you know, he would say what people have said about him was false and inaccurate. And, you know, he had a, a an amazing vocalist that he had a, a a working relationship with. And she came out and made some comments about his uh, inappropriateness and, you know, uh, that he, you know, he tried it on with her despite being married and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So, I mean, I, I would have thought he would want to stay away from news sources news items that revolve around hearsay and conjecture well, now so, it, 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 i think if he throws enough shit around maybe it'll stick to somebody else and then he won't have well the yeah shit that's all over him but in light of your your question i mean it's mm. it, it is it is really interesting about um whether you can continue to support a a, a label or an artist who behaves in ways that you don't necessarily condone. But I I think my short answer is, dude, if we really went through the, the, the moral judgments and, and crimes of everyone, like in each of our record collections, collections, we would, we'd be listening just to Ikaru Utada. (laughs) She's not a saint either. Oh no, is she not? No, she's no, she is not. Oh dear, I'll, I'll we'll say no more. But, All right, uh, here we go. <laughs> but I just well, think well, there'd well, be very little. Is I know none of, none of us are saints. Yes. So um, I, I think I would say that some crimes are more egregious than others. And while yeah, uh, this is not really a good look. I I would say that this is not. Uh, uh, the, the, this isn't on uh, Michael Jackson level allegations. Yeah, yeah. I mean, actually, here's a question: Has there been an artist that 
you know whatever it is like you know in whatever the scale of it is where news uh, or revelations proven or not have come out about said person uh that you have subsequently made the conscious decision to not listen to their music anymore uh imran two words what? oh Talib quality oh really yeah When I I first jumped on Twitter, I was following everybody and anybody that Mm -hmm. uh, I used to listen to. And it was through uh, Talib Kweli's Twitter presence that uh, I quickly came to just not because of things that he did, but just things that he said. uh, His. uh, And I'm trying to. Uh, choose my words very, very carefully. So I'm not accusing him of anything. Mm -hmm. But uh, I do not like... His his positions on life are essentially uh, the polar opposite, antithetical to everything that I stand for. Wow. So I... I, What what can I say? I hate the guy. (laughs) Oh. Oh I, I I sat through. He had uh, DJ Newmark on right. uh, his podcast a little a while, little while ago, mm-hmm. and I have to say, Talib Kweli might be the absolute worst interviewer of all time. <laughs> all he does is talk about himself. <laughs> Everything was like, dude, go read some Dale Carnegie, like. <laughs> you show some genuine interest in the person that you're talking to. Right, right. So DJ Newmark, I see you you you've been uh playing some records. Uh you know, I've played records before. I went to played at this club. Fuck off, man. <laughs> there was this um MTV show in the 90s. I can't remember what it was. It was like a fan show where mm-hmm. uh, a, a, a fan, just a normal everyday run-of-the-mill fan, would get to meet their hero. And um, this uh, young uh, kind of teenage girl got to meet her hero. In this case, was Snoop Dogg. Uh-huh. And uh, she was, you know, like, oh, how did you do this? And you see their kind of interview. And she's asking him all these questions. And then he says, okay, hey, let me ask you a question. And this is this is the like the most incredible. Let's talk about you, but continue talking about me. Question that you could ask someone, and he says, "Hey, let's talk about you. When did you first become a Snoop Dogg fan?" It's like, well, that's not talking about. It's <laughs> not talking about her at all. It's still talking about you. It's yeah, not... but okay. <laughs> and this just go, just goes to show that we we d- tend to give preference to the people that we like. Uh, I, I can tell like Snoop Dogg is, is one, he is working out of ego, but at the same time, he knows that, that that's actually kind of charming. The thing with right. Snoop Dogg is he's absolutely a charmless void. <laughs> I'm sorry that this podcast turned into Sean rags on, uh, but as I, as I realized we were discussing the Egon, uh, mf dune situation that most of what i learned from uh that learned about how i learned about that situation was from talib quali and just some of the accusations that he made i i was just like do you there there's no possible way you could know this without having spoken to the person yourself 
Right. So he's going hard at Egon, I take yep. it. Yeah. Right. And uh, I'll, I'll give you one guess as to what angle Talib Kweli is playing. Oh, no. It's the one he's most famous for. Oh, no. But in what, what context is that a viable explanation for anything? Because that's the only card. <laughs> <laughs> That's so okay. That's interesting. So, and and that that's why I'm actually the the funny thing. The funny thing is, like in the how to win friends and uh, influence people sort of sense, Mm. what Talib Kweli is doing will certainly, uh, uh, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It reinforces his own fan base, but it's going to have the profound opposite effect. On anybody who doesn't already agree with him. Like, I can't imagine that him making the argument that he's making right now is actually going to be like, you know what? Now that I think about it, Talib Kweli must be right. Mm. Yeah. Instead, it's just like, it sets off my sort of disgust receptor. And it's just like, you you will not stop digging your own hole. I'm glad that uh, Liberation 2 is finally coming out because I'm never going to listen to it. <laughs> Lib Quality hasn't made a good album since Quality. There, I said it. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, eardrums pretty. Eardrums good. What's that? A bit over. Eardrums is pretty good. There's some great songs on that. I seem to recall there was a really good track with. Uh, I think Will I Am produced a song on there. Yeah, well. I think he's got two songs on there. It's like Hot mm-hmm. Thing, which is with him on it. Yeah, but there's, I, okay. I mean, you're, okay, you yeah. got me. That that's actually uh, that's a cool that's song. A but it's song. soon the new day with uh, Nora Jones and Mad Lib on production, which is a masterpiece of a oh, song. Wait, and uh, wait, you got me is is that Jill Scott or is that? Oh no no uh, hot, uh, yeah you you got me is the roots and um, yes thank you but it yeah, had uh, Jill Scott on vocals right? Uh, yes she well no. in a roundabout way uh, she yeah. wrote it the label said. Uh, we like it, but you get rid of her. <laughs> so, because they said, well, she was a complete unknown at this point. And they says, you've got a hit record there. You need to put someone, a, a, a hit vocalist on it. So oh, wait, they had to, oh, they put Bardu on it. Am I completely mixing this up? Is that Erica Bardu yeah. on it? Damn it. No, no. It, yes, but Jill Scott wrote oh, okay. it and recorded it, but then the label said, put someone that we know on there. So mm-hmm. then they put Jill Scott, um, Erica Bardu on it. <laughs> Got you. Uh, Got yeah, you. Say, um, uh, yeah, then they put Bardu on it, and it became a Grammy-winning song. Yeah, and uh, yeah. But yeah, they, the Roots later released the Jill Scott version as well, thankfully. So yes, um, but yeah, no, uh, yeah, 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 the Eardrum album has some good songs on it. Some really good. All songs right, on it. Yes, uh, I'm willing. That's, to... that's beside the point. That's beside yeah, the well, point. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's an that'd be an interesting test because, uh, like I said, I absolutely detest Talib Kweli's social media pre- presence. Right, but there, uh, undeniably, tracks like "Get By," some of the stuff off of yeah, Black oh my God, Bar, yeah. uh, the stuff off of. I know, I think we talked about this before. I'm not as big of a fan of Reflection Eternal as you are. Man, that Train of Thought album's a masterpiece for me. Ah, uh, yes. Oh, wait, Train of Thought. Yeah. Yeah, the, 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 him and High Tech, yeah. were, they were Reflection Eternal. The, the album, the first album they did was called oh, Train yeah, of Thought. Oh, yeah, yeah, and then it was called uh, Train, of, Train of Thought. Yeah, to me, that's a that's a 
that's a top five hip hop album. For oh, me. wow. Personal favorite. Wow, personal that, classic. That's, pretty ama- that's pretty amazing. That's a flawless album. Yeah. No, I totally disagree there. That, <laughs> that album totally outstays its welcome. Oh my gosh, really? I, fi- I find I, you, because if I remember correctly, it's a 20 track album. Yes. I, I'm usually done by about track 10. Okay. By track 10. <laughs> It's been 20 minutes. Is this album still on? <laughs> I, 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 I right, 100% concur. I'll, I'll one. I'm, not, <laughs> right, I'm not actually a fan of long albums myself. I, I normally shudder at two, two disc albums. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I do completely agree. I don't usually like long albums, but to me, uh, maybe the like, tracks two and three, I could probably do without, but um uh, everything else, it's it's worth the journey for me. So, there's, uh, a, yeah. I know, and I'm working strictly from memory here. I know there's an amazing track, sort of towards the uh, the end of the album. I, I think it's like maybe track 15. Hold on, let's see if I can bring this up real quick. Do do do. Yeah, that. I, I I'm not going to say that it's a bad album by any stretch of the imagination. I just don't. I, I'm not nearly as enamored with it as other people are. Mm. Yeah, I love that record. I think it's brilliant. Well, okay. Speaking of people that have just like an absolutely awful uh, social media presence, where where are we on the Kanye West situation? Man, I... I don't know. Man. Yeah, I... it's kind of... He's becoming increasingly hard to defend, isn't he? He is, and it's just one of those weird, like, I don't know what the conversation needs to be about him because, like, he will, when he will say something, he will do something just completely outlandish, and I will look at it and think, oh, you're crazy. Like, you've you've lost your mind. Like, what's wrong with you? And then he will say, I'm bipolar, and I'll be like, no, you're not. You're just <laughs> egotistical, you know? <laughs> but, and like, if, but if we take him as having legitimate, health issues then i i i don't i the the conversation about mental health is kind of really fascinating sometimes because a lot of judgment is thrown his way Mm -hmm. and we bypass the fact that i believe he has some genuine medical concerns and i and but we have the conversation about him as if he is of sound mind and body and i just find it hard to discuss him because i don't necessarily know what the conversation actually is if we are going to accept that he has actual medical issues then i don't know how to discuss them i don't know how to discuss his actions and then what i'm holding them accountable to what's the barometer of acceptable behavior here for him but that you know so uh, affect like his past work do you think like oh i'll never listen to no i don't i i i i it affects, I don't mean this as a dig as such, but it affects his future work, to be honest, because it, like yeah, I, that, that I can't helps. connect. Yeah. I can't connect with. I haven't been able to connect with a record of his for quite a long time. Um, but, uh, <laughs> I've. But it's it's funny because like um, uh, I used to adore like late registration. I still do. I haven't listened to it for quite a long time, but I think it's got mm. some great great songs on there. Graduation's really good. Um, to me, his peak was my beautiful dark twisted fantasy i think that is that's amazing such a great great record but it's 
to me, it's like it's a very dark, very dark record, and it. it but I thought it was okay mm-hmm. to be a dark record because it was a concept record. It was right. my beautiful dark, twisted fantasy. Yeah. But everything from that point onwards became that. Yeah, like, yeah. That it was a decided cool. shift in his it, lyrically. He became this quite unpleasant person musically yeah and i it was kind of difficult you know you listen to like have you like um i never really liked the song or the video but uh the bound song bound two which was his love letter to his wife kim kardashian and it's it's an atrocious love letter (laughs) it's horrible like if you listen to the lyrics it's like this isn't this is a really unpleasant song. This isn't about you being in love with your wife at all. Yeah. Well, you know, the funny thing is I was at a club in Chicago. I think that was probably like one of the last club events I'd gone to uh, in the city. And I I mean, as much as we, we I, I've actually grown, that song's grown on me. I, I like right. the beat on it. And I, the lyrics are sort of uh, take them, take it or leave it. Mm. but when that song dropped in chicago everybody lost their mind like it he had at that time he still had pull in chicago right of course you guys your fellow chicago yeah. of course yeah Are you and I? Are you my lady? You 
Cause you 